Hold your ground, hold your ground. Sons of Sydney, of Brisbane, of Canberra, of Melbourne, of Perth, my brothers, a day may come when the courage of Australians fails, when we forsake our rucks and break all bonds of war, but it is not this day, an hour of missed tackles and shattered scrums when the age of Wallaby comes crashing down. But it is not this day, this day we fight. By all that you hold dear on this good earth, I bid you stand, men of Australian rugby. And hello and, and welcome to the first rapid fire edition of the Raw Rugby podcast where we're going to preview all the Super Rugby news for round one. Joining me today, the Raw editor, the boss, my boss anyway, Tony Harper to run us through that. Harps, konnichiwa, you're in Japan at the moment. Still in Japan for a couple of weeks. Uh, thanks, Christy. And um, I loved your voiceover work there. That. Uh, they didn't strike me as your kind of uh, words, however. Can you uh, reveal uh, to me where, where that little script came from? That, my friend, is one of our great columnists at the Raw who's going to be dipping his feet into, into rugby now. And we've seen his work across not multiple different sports. But on Wednesdays, we'll be listening and reading from uh, Ben Podsheets, who's a, a, a fine writer. I think you can see his work on the on the Herald and the Age as well, where he's a, reviews various programs. But yeah, Ben is a, a passionate sports lover, and and he certainly enjoys his rugby. So he's just one of a, a brand new cohort of columnists at the Raw this year. Yeah, it's uh, interesting that in the opening week of teams where. Uh, a lot of the super rugby teams are announcing their rookies for the season and there's a lot of excitement. We've got a bunch of that going on as well. Like you uh, mm. hosted the, the podcast with Matt Tamur and I thought he was uh, superb this week along with um, Nick Gecko white on there. Uh, so we had um, a couple of new columnists, as you said, in Ben Pobji and Hamish Bidwell, who have really, you know, really hit the ground running in that. And, and we've got uh, more to come come this way as well it's been a massive week and I, also before we kick on with the preview i want to give a special mention to uh nick Vasiliev, who will be joining you on this preview pod probably as much or more than i am going forward for the absolute mountain of work he's got through this week and um you know i'm not just saying that because he's producing this pod and holds uh how we look in his uh in his hands but he's gone through the 50 to 1 players that's always a thankless task that he's uh, handled with good grace, but even more impressively, a massive read on every team in the countdown to the kickoff. You, you know, like we often, you know, people often come on and wonder if we, if our focus is beyond just the Australian teams. I think if you've been on the Raw this week, you've seen an insane amount of coverage about the Super Rugby. It's got me fired up. I know it's got you fired up. Nick's fired up. Everyone's fired. Ben Pobji, he's totally fired up. As, as going by what what you just read out there. Yeah, you're not wrong. So we're going to just run through all the Super Rugby teams matchups this weekend, a bit of a preview and analysis. And this is going to be coming a, a regular pod for a Thursday before I co-host the regular Monday pod alongside Matt Tamua, uh, who is certainly a welcomed addition. Before that, though, Stan have produced a documentary and it's released Thursday the 22nd of February. It's on last year's World Cup disaster. In, in short, uh, we were both pretty a part of this whole journey with Eddie Jones last year. We just thought that we might be able to provide a little bit of insight into whether or not the doc goes any good, whether or not it lives up to the hype. 
uh, and perhaps just perhaps just one or two other things around it. Tony, you, you've watched all three parts. What did you make of it? Yeah, so it's not terrible and it's not amazingly awesome either. I mean, also, I think that our situation is probably different to a lot of people in, as you mentioned, we're on the ground and, you know, we both appear in the documentary fleetingly asking, asking Eddie questions. And so there's that, you know, uh, perspective on it, whereas a fan's perspective might be a little different. I was interested. I wrote a piece on the raw on Sunday uh, about the documentary stood out like dog balls. That's right. Uh, the, it was just interesting that in the comment section, you had a lot of regular commenters going, there's no way that I'm going back and watching that. Whereas a lot of people will be intrigued. And I think, I think, look, I would suggest you've come this far, you've suffered this much. What's another three hours of sitting on the couch, absolutely fuming and raging at what went down uh, late last year? There is some nice personal development, though, and you get to see uh, Nick White, his family, Cart Gordon, his his partner, who caused a bit of a stir with with certain Wallaroos at, at one point or another. Uh, you also get to see Alan Alatoa, who brings you into his household too, and I, I like those aspects of it, but I do think that they glossed over, which was like the real elephant in the room around Eddie Jones, around japan around what really occurred there around team selection uh i think there's it, it glosses over that too much where we only really get one or two glimpses into team meetings and one of them you don't hear from any of the assistant coaches apart from pierre Henri bronken who's questioning why will skelton we're not going to just announce will skelton's not on the side and, and we're playing silly buggers and that to me was a bit odd we, we saw sharon firehive the long-time doctor in Australian rugby with Waratahs and Wallabies. We hear from her more than we hear from any of the assistant coaches, which I found quite odd too. And Yeah, sorry, and Corrine Reid, the team psychologist, uh, who Eddie just seemed to disregard everything she said. It was quite quite a, a weird situation that we heard more from her again than, you know, you had Brett Hodgson, you had Jason Riles, you had Neil Hatley. These guys were just kind of shut straight out of it. But you got the feeling that they weren't, that it was a one one man band anyway from the doco perspective the thing that i was a little disappointed is in is that they went in with a structure uh that was obviously preordained because it starts at the start of eddie's reign so the domestic test series as well but what happened was just so freaking weird by the end of it so so like you know blow your mind crazy that that we were so bad that it was such a ridiculous performance over there and they didn't follow the story you know you you're right to 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 mention the eddie uh you know the the japan links and all the rest of it it was just cursory it was at the end for me it was too much uh about minor injuries so i get that taniola tupo at the world cup was an injury that we needed to focus on and will skelton i, I kind of get that it was almost like, well, we've got Alan Alalatoa. His story is actually one of injury. But to then get two hours in before we actually get any meat, I, I seemed, it seemed a bit disappointing to me. Tony Alatupo and the whole would he play against um, New Zealand, I think, in Dunedin. It was a minor injury, but way too much was taken up with that. Like to, I, I would say the best bits are when Eddie smashes his eighth radio and then ask if someone can get him a replacement while it's just sitting there just in plastic and wires all over his table. 
Um, you talk about really... budget blowouts. Yeah, exactly. How what was his radio budget? But for me, like the, the main, like what I wanted more of. There's a discussion in the final episode between Eddie and James Slipper. It's been reported everywhere uh, last weekend, including in my story, uh, where he basically says that Australia players aren't tough enough. It was a real moment of insight. It was a real look into, and it was great interaction between, um, you know, a, a veteran senior player and his coach. Was not enough of that. I would have, I would have liked more of that. And, you know, and as as adorable as Nick White's kids are, probably a bit less of that. Yeah, and even perhaps at Parliament House, like it was great seeing the actual raw excitement of him uh, when he when he finds out he's going on the World Cup trip. But the fact that you know, that takes up a few minutes. Well, we didn't really get to hear what players thought around Quade Cooper's omission, why Lenny Katow wasn't there. And when you're in, the, and I know that they all backed themselves, they all went over there thinking we can do something. There was some steady progression through various games or halves. They never put it all together, but you could see that maybe look around and think, Eddie Jones, he's done this before. Yeah, we back him, but... It would have been nice to find out a little bit more of that. What are actually the players thinking here? And, and at no stage did we really get that. You know, what's Carter Gordon thinking when he when he can't see Quade Cooper on the sidelines anymore? And and you know, Ben Donaldson when things start to go awry there against Wales. Uh, we've heard so much and in the last couple of months through our privilege of being journalists, we get to speak to players, but I think that the documentary missed a few of those elements. Nonetheless, I enjoyed it. I don't think it's necessarily where the target audience journalists, I think it's, it's the, it's the kids, the boys and girls who hopefully find out a little bit more about these players. And uh, maybe my last comment is, is Will Skelton. Like we didn't hear from Will Skelton at all, the captain. Uh, that to me was a, another glaring, uh, oversight and whether or not he was asked, I'm not sure. But is he going to be the captain in, in 2024? Is he going to play for the Wallabies in 2024? Who knows? But it, it just feels like this great kind of, not tragedy, but we haven't been able to hear enough from a, a few of the star players in last year's Wallabies side. Thanks for that summation, Margaret. How many out of five do you give it? Oh, max of three, I think. And I, I, haven't been, I haven't been big on on sports documentaries. I've watched a bit of the Six Nations. I've found that at times that's kind of interesting looking at a couple of the players from abroad that we might not see enough of. But I know that you're big on on the, the Sunderland, uh, Sunderland. Well, the new Sunderland, yes. Sunderland Until I Die came out this week. Um, like to me, that's a four and a half out of five. To me, the Six Nations with a two and a half. I'm with you. I'm giving this a three. All right, we're going to turn our attention to Super Rugby Team 1. The first round, how good that we're going to be watching some Super Rugby this weekend. The first match, it's a belter, isn't it? It's the last year's finalists, the Crusaders and the Chiefs, of course. The Crusaders bowing out, giving the perfect fairy tale finish to Scott Razor Robertson, Sam Whitelock, Richie Mwanga. Uh, none of those three here have returned to Super Rugby in 2024. Harps, give us a headline. What are we looking out here for? I think the big news is the uh, newcomer in the number 10 jersey for the Crusaders, Rivev Rihanna. Um, he's coming up against his former team. Well, there's also 
a, a first start for Levi Amua at uh, number 13. I think the, uh, the key here is that the Chiefs have won four of their last five games, but not the final last year. So they'll be keen to get off to a, to a great start there. Luke Jacobson starting in the number eight jersey uh, for the Chiefs. Um, so he's, he's straight on deck as he kind of looks to make his All Blacks, um, uh, press his All Blacks claims. Um, Damien McKenzie, D-Mac, my favourite player in the entire competition, is coming in at uh, number 10 this week. Yeah, yeah. Levi Amua comes from Moana Pacifica. Uh, he was chased by several New Zealand clubs. And in fact, his agent was trying to see whether or not there was any interest from an Australian perspective. He was Wallabies eligible, but uh, they didn't. They kind of looked over and passed over him with a sleep at the wheel and Levi Amua ends up at the Crusaders. He is destructive, quality player. At a better team, he'll be one of the more exciting uh, midfielders in the competition. The other guy that we've really got to look out for, you're right, Tens is a big one for the Crusaders. No Mwanga, uh, Fergus Burke, uh, no longer, he's injured. He'll be making his comeback later in the competition. Uh, but if we look at the Chiefs, Quintapire, a guy that Australians, New Zealanders will know of, Darcy Swain will know of, having injured him, he, he obviously missed... Uh, the entire 2023 season, devastating uh, for him. But he is back and he'll add a lot of punch to this midfield for the Chiefs. It's actually the that they played. They met in the first round last year and the Chiefs just blew them away. I think that they'll probably win. I think there's just a little bit too much movement in this Crusaders side. But it'll be, it'll be fascinating to see uh, how Rob Penny starts because... He clearly had a, a shocking run with Waratahs, was was punted very early in his second season. So making a strong start for the Crusaders is an important one. But yeah, Chiefs for me, what do you think, Hubs? I think uh, the Chiefs for me as well. I really like the look of that back line. Uh, as I say, D-Mac there, Sean Stevenson in the, the number 15 and Anton Leonard-Brown alongside Tapia. And it's great to see him back. Um, that was a horrific injury that night. Uh, there's oh, yeah. also some... Big names returning for the Crusaders in George Bauer and Severi Reese. So should be an absolute belter to get it underway. Matt, I'm going to chuck, I know you like your stats if they're well placed. So I'm going to chuck a couple in this time. So uh, my stat for this game is DMAC had the second highest tally of carries in Super Rugby last season with 183 behind Harry Wilson with 211. There you go. We'll get to that later on because I think we'll probably bring up Harry Wilson later. Uh, last point on the Chiefs, they're missing several guys in that forward pack, which could prove telling. Brody Vitalik, Sam Cain, Peter Guskell, Solakula, uh, and then even a Samasoni Yutokiyahu coming off the bench. How you replace that, that's a really tough one. All right, Rebels and Brumby is now. This game uh, going to be played in Melbourne. The Rebels have been probably the most talked about side in Super Rugby to start 2024. Who would have thought other than if they were in these financial stricken times. This is, it's a fascinating one because there was, the Rebels recruited probably one of the most active sides throughout the competition. They're up against a pretty stable Brumbies team uh, led by Stephen Larkham. Harps, tell us a little bit about who's running out at the stockade. Yeah, so Larkham's named 11 Wallabies in total, eight in his starting 15. Um, he's got a, a tweaked back row with uh, Rob Valentini, Luke Reimer and Charlie Kale in there. And it's a really strong tight five. Uh, four of those starting have, have played for the Wallabies um, 
with James Slipper, of course, who plays a big role in that documentary we were talking about before. And Nick Frost is up for his 50th game. Now, in the back three also looks pretty impressive with Tom Wright, Andy Muirhead and Corey Toole bringing heaps of pace. Uh, for the Rebels, Tani Tupo surprisingly, is on the bench for them. Uh, Lucan uh, Salakai Loto will make his debut for Kevin Foote's team as well. Uh, an interesting situation in the halves as well with Carter Gordon in a battle, I guess, with a few other young guns this season. Wallaby's um, selection on the horizon. He's alongside former England halfback Jack Maunder and Filippo Dagano gets a first start for the Rebels at outside centre. Yeah, Dalgona, he's made the uh, like and hunger of them. Alex Marfi, Taniela, Lucan, Salakai Loto, they've all come from the Reds. They've all made their way south to the Rebels via several different clubs. Look, I think the Rebels, it's an interesting one having Tupo off the bench, but if you saw how they went last year, they struggled to finish matches. I imagine Kevin Foote, Nick Styles have thought, how do we close out games or we need to bring some more ammunition off the bench? And what better ammunition than Taniela Tupo, the Tom and Thorne? This is a bit of a toss of the coin, I think. And my heart perhaps is thinking the Rebels have shown some strong pre-season form. I do like the Brumbies, their halves, the stability of their roster, definitely their forward pack. I think the Brumbies might just pinch it at the death. I think they've just got a little bit more continuity and that will play a big part. Look, uh, the Rebels are going to play with a lot of heart, aren't they? With everything that's gone on, there's no, absolutely no excuse for them not to chuck absolutely everything into this game. I just think the Brumbies look, you know, to have too much class there. Brumbies have won seven out of the last eight against the Rebels, including the last five matchups. Um, but for me, I'm really looking forward to watching Tom Wright. It's a redemption uh, narrative for Tom after the way he was kind of cast aside by Eddie Jones, which brings me perfectly to my little stat for this game, which is that Tom Wright gained 840 metres from kick returns last season, which was 141 more than the next best player in the comp. Do you like that one? Not bad. Not bad. Not bad at all. Tom Wright, a good player, needs to find the uh, decision-making is the big one for him, when to kick, when to run the ball back. Uh, but we will be seeing him for the Wallabies this year. I have no doubt about it. Okay, let's turn our attention to the West. Three nights on Friday, uh, three matches on, on Friday mm, night. That's, big uh, night. That's a pretty good way to whet the Super Rugby appetite. Force Hurricanes, uh, our good friend Sammy Werther will be tuning in. Hurricanes, Hurricanes. Tell us a little bit about that. There's been a fair bit of movement again with Simon Cron's side. Heaps of change. Yeah, heaps of change. Yeah from Simon over in the West. Five starters making their fourth debut, um, including Nick White and Ben Donaldson, the halves, uh, which which is really, really exciting for them, I think. Donaldson, another big season. I mean, he ended as the incumbent Wallabies fly half. Not that I don't think anyone except him probably thinks that that's, that's kind of <laughs> means anything going forward under a new coach. Um, the headline being Isaac Rodder's return as well from that foot injury that's just worried him all the time. They've got a new skipper in a relatively young Jeremy Williams. You know, you're hearing a lot of great things about his kind of leadership. And uh, it, it's it's kind of a bit of a make or break for me, the force. They've, they've threatened before without really pushing on. Interesting call in the 
Hurricanes lineup with TJ Perinara rested um, after his workload in the trials. Cam Roygaard on the bench, and they've got a 20-year-old Jordi Viljoen. I'm going with who's getting a start after impressing uh, greatly during the trials. Yeah, I've got to say it's a bit of a surprise not to see Roygaard start. Uh, we know how good he is. An uh, all-black last year, plenty of pace, plenty of zip. I wouldn't be underestimating this fourth side. Sorry, so William's going to miss the match concussion, but it's a pretty good second row for the force with Tom Franklin, who's come over uh, via Japan, but he spent a long time in New Zealand, uh, Maori All Black. The big thing for me is is that front row. Marley Pierce, young guy, uh, young loose hair, he's going to get better. Is he the finished product? No, absolutely not. But they're going to have to match the Hurricanes at the set piece, particularly at the scrum, because that was where the force would just bulldoze last year at the scrum and the more and, and Simon Cron has kind of tried to rectify that. He's brought over guys like Atu Moli, who doesn't take his place in, in the team this week, but we'll see more of him throughout. Interesting as well that he's gone, you know, the Rebels have backed the incumbents, guys that have been there, like your, your, your Sam Talakai. Simon Cron has thrown kind of goodwill out and he's just backed the new guys. And that's Nick White, that's Ben Donaldson. You've got... Uh, the, the live wide pace of an Isaac Fines, Lele Wasu, who's been there for some time, he's coming off the bench. So just interesting to see how different coaches are managing these sorts of um, decisions and how you introduce new talent. I will say the force. I reckon the Hurricanes, the decision not to start Cam Roygaard, if the force can get off to a good start, which I think they will, they've shown some promise throughout the trial matches. I think there'll be a big crowd there. I'm gonna I'm gonna tip the force. What about you, Harps? I'm going the force as well. I'm I'm sticking with you yet again. Um, look, the Hurricanes have beaten the force eleven of their past twelve, but the only loss in that was the last time they actually played in Perth in uh, 2022. The force beat the Rebels last year on opening day. They've believe it or not, they've never won the opening game of a season two years running. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. One thing I'll say, you said it's, you think it's a bit of a make-or-break uh, year for the Force. I'm going to just player agents, they're looking at Force. And why are they looking at the Force? Because of the rivers of gold that Andrew Twiggy Forrest has managed to plunge into the Force and, and the wider system and Western Australian rugby. So that's a destination which has suddenly become sexy. So I think sunny skies ahead for the Force. Okay, Blues Drawer, probably only touch upon this, but look, Fiji, the Drawer, we know that they're going to be formidable at home. How they tour is going to be the big one, but they've got a pretty reasonable roster, which should be buoyed from last year's World Cup. The Drawer bringing in, I think, three debuts um, in the starting team under Mick Byrne and and a fourth on the bench as well. So uh, he's got a pretty powerful front row going around again. The the Blues seem very settled. Um, there is a debut for Josh Bearer, and there are 50th games for uh, Caleb Clark in the in the out on the wing. Um, I look. I, I think you're right. It seems it seems like the draw might be a two paced team this season. One at home where they're expected to challenge and push everyone, and one away where they don't quite aim up to that level. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I just look at that back line of the Blues, though. We saw Mark Talia, how mm-hmm. exciting, how elusive he was. Last year was a breakout mm-hmm. year. I think he'll kick on Rico Ioani at the outside centre. I like him a lot. The big one, Stephen Perifetta. 
Uh, no Bowden Barrett yeah. this year, so Perrett better in at 10. Uh, he would have learned a lot from Barrow over the last couple of seasons. It's now about controlling the game and, and ensuring that matches against the Fijians or, or whoever it is that he commands himself. So I think the Blues should be way too strong here. I wouldn't think they thrash them, but I think they win by a couple of tries. Can't argue with that. Mark Talea, uh, again, you were talking about how devastating he was. He beat 102 defenders last year. 30 more than the next best player in the competition. Well, okay, if you're the stats man, who's who's the next best then? Who came second? <laughs> well, up to is stats that, is the stats man. Right, and and uh, unfortunately, they didn't reveal that. So uh, if, right. you, if you let me come back next week, I'll have the answer for you then. <laughs> All right. The Highlanders, Moana Pacifica. Uh, we're going to be going down to Dunedin here for the second game of the Super Saturday. Highlanders made a bit of a surprise here. No Ethan to group. Tell us a little bit more. He's uh, coming back from a knee injury, but his coach says he was available for selection. So it is a it is a bit of a, an unusual one as the Highlanders have named five debutants for this one. Yeah, so what I quite like about this this side, Falau Fakatawa, he's in now. Um, Aaron Smith, what a servant he has been for New Zealand rugby and especially the Highlanders. But it's Fakatawa's time. He's elusive. I love his dummy, probably the best dummy in in Super Rugby now. He's going to be teaming up with Reese Patchell, the former Welsh international, who's more of a controlling kind of 10, good goal kicker. Uh, it's a, it's not a bad side that the Highlanders have rolled out. It's close to full strength. Perry Perry Parkinson in the second row, Billy Harmon captains the side. I think that they will, you know, as long as they don't have injuries, they'll be okay. But it's just the depth where they're going to struggle. But they're, they're going to be too strong for Moana Pacifica, who... Yes, um, James Lay, new captain, replaces Sokoka Kepu, the former Wallaby uh, front rower, but I just don't see enough in there. William Havili is at 10, uh, good player. Uh, Danny Tuala at 15 can play as well, but I just don't see enough for them to be able to challenge, not just the Highlanders, but probably anyone this year. Yeah, the Highlanders have lost their opening game three of the past four seasons. I, I see them as uh, coming good in this one. Yeah, but... I always remember every every game that the Highlanders play early on in the season, it's generally pretty open. So expect a few points in this game. All right, the Reds, the Waratahs, it's the last match for round one. Also the last match we'll be previewing. Uh, and a couple of selection surprises, Hart. Uh, Tom Liners in the number 10 jersey for the Reds. Um, he has uh, won that particular race with um, James O'Connor, out, out injury, although I'm unsure how much James would, you know, be be expected to feature from the start this this year. We've got a former All Blacks prop, Alex Hodgman at loose head in an all international front row for the Reds. Um, the the big one probably though is that Jordan Pataya edges out John Campbell to start at fullback. Where Jordan Pataya is one of those players who has been shuffled through several positions obviously with the Red Wallabies and. These guys kind of traded that number 15 jersey a bit last season. It looks to be uh, on again. Good to see Hunter Paisami there with Josh Fulk in, in the midfield as well. Darren Coleman has been able to uh, make a few changes as well there. Uh, he's brought back the Miles Amaratocero from France. Looking forward to seeing that giant go around. Joey Walton, though, wins the number 15 jersey ahead of Max Jorgensen, who was the kind of early tip. He, of course, went to the World Cup, uh, was injured, 
suffered another injury there. So I guess they're just being a bit careful with him, Christy. Yep, yep. And we, we kind of heard a little bit about that from Izzy Parisi yesterday when he kind of said, we've just got to manage these kids. He is still a kid. But I'll tell you what, the Tars have got the toughest, one of the toughest draws anyway in the Super Rugby Comp this year. So I feel like this is a massive kind of win game because they're going to play the Crusaders next. They've played the Crusaders twice, I think, inside the opening eighth rounds, the Brumbies twice. They've got to travel to Fiji to play the Drawer. So for a man who's expected and hoping to, um, you know, he's playing or he's, he's coaching for his career at the Waratahs, uh, a decision expected early on, perhaps after, well, by the end of March, after about five rounds, good luck to Darren Coleman. I think it's it's another really tough one to predict here because the Tars have been pathetic in the opening couple of trials. They, you know, but on paper, it's a reasonable side. Can they click? Because you don't always want to show it too much in trial form. But I just think the Reds, I think there's a little bit of continuity there. There's a bit of a buzz. I, I think the Ford pack is reasonable without being outstanding. Tom Liner, he's backed the incumbent by going Liner over Harry McLaughlin Phillips. Uh, who would impress throughout the trial form. The benches is probably perhaps a bit of a separation point. I think the Reds bench is slightly better than the Tars bench. Uh, and I imagine in the last 20 minutes, still February, it's going to be hot. People are going to be blowing. I'm backing the Reds just. Uh, look, I think it's a toss of the coin. I think you might even be looking at a, a, you know, a, a, a stalemate here. But because um, you said the Reds, I'm going to go to the Waratahs. I can't follow you on every single tip today, can I? No, you can't. Have you got any stats for us or have you tapped out on that? Oh, there's a couple of stat monsters in this game. I love a good stat monster. Jed Holloway won a competition high 89 lineouts last season, including 11 steals. And while on the other side, Fraser McWright won 22 turnovers, twice as many as any Tars player did. Not surprising given that Michael Hooper struggled to get on the ball later on in his career. Uh, Fraser McWright was ever present at seven. Uh, I like the stat around Jed Holloway in the air, particularly the defensive line out. That's always been a feature of his game, particularly the last couple of years. You, you mentioned, made mention Harry Wilson beforehand in terms of carries. This will be an interesting one. And Harry Wilson under a Les Kiss coach environment. We saw too many of the Reds players plateau, not get better in the last few years. Uh, but sometimes less is more and you don't always want to see Harry Wilson just taking the ball for, off the long run and, and crashing it into the defence. He wants some manipulation, some uh, differences in his his attack, whether or not that's playing out the back, it's it's offloads, it's it's little chip kicks that he once upon a time was used to do for the junior Wallabies. So anyway. I also think there was a little mind sh- a mindset shift with him this week, uh, an interview he gave up there at the Reds where... He really pointed at Lange Gleeson and said the fact that Lange had taken a spot in the Wallabies and he'd missed out hurt him and that he wanted to put that right. And I, I really liked that coming out and, you know, staking staking a claim already and that sets up as a great kind of battle. You know, we, we looked at the tens battle and, you know, we've got Carter and Noah up first up. But, you know, that, that eights it's a, it's a battle across the season, shaping is an interesting one for me as well. Yeah, I completely agree. And if there's an area that the Reds might be able to exploit, the Tars, Joey Walton at fullback, he's played a couple of games there in the trials, but never really featured in the backfield before. So if I'm the Reds, I'm thinking, how do I manipulate uh, the Warwick Tars defensive line? 
All right, Tony Harper, thank you for joining us on this rapid fire preview of the open round of Super Rugby. I'll be back early next week with Matt Tamua for our second Monday episode of the Royal Rugby Podcast. Please get in touch, any questions, sing out, uh, follow us on various podcast means, but please just reach out and, and review accordingly. Thank you. Cheers. Love your work.